kid is not a member of our church. <laughs> Amen. So good to see all of you. Let me invite your attention both to the book of Romans this morning. We're going to read a verse together out of chapter 8. And then also the gospel of Luke. If you'll turn there with me, Luke chapter 24. I want to uh, announce the topic of our lesson in the series that we're doing. Those of you that are guests here today, we welcome you. We are in the middle, uh, actually lesson seven, in a series called More Than Conquerors. We are more than conquerors. That's what the Bible tells us we are. If we know the Lord is our Savior, then there are many things that we have already been considered conquerors over, but this message and this series is based on the fact that sometimes even though we're more than conquerors, we don't live like we're more than conquerors because we've allowed some things that we've already conquered to rule over us. And so we've been dealing with those things and today is the topic of our attitude, thus the video that you've seen. The title of that video I think was The Complaininator. And uh, so I want you to do this with me though before I go any further, I need your help on something. I want you to look at the person next to you and repeat after me, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, I did not call the pastor about you. Just want to make that very clear, okay? Back several months now, literally several months ago, when God laid this on my heart and I began to look at this whole thing, this whole series, I was sitting in my study at home very early in the morning and God started laying some stuff on my heart and I started writing it down. And I noticed that so many of them began with the letter A. And so we dealt with things like our armor and our adversary and our addictions and last week affluence. Those kind of things started just unfolding. And this was among them. So I've had this title and this subject for several months now. I just want you to know that, okay? Uh, and uh, so nobody thinks, man, pastor really picking on me because he heard something. No, no, that's not the case. But if, it, uh, if the shoe fits, uh, <laughs> you may want to put it on and wear it home, okay? Uh, for whatever that's worth. And uh, let me read the verse. Actually, let's, let me ask you to read it with me. Our theme verse, Romans 8 and verse 37. Would you read it aloud with me, please? Those of you that have it, perhaps we can bring it up for everybody. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now that's our theme verse and, and we again we're, we're focusing in on the fact that we're already more than conquerors through Jesus. So if our attitude has gotten the best of us it's because we've let it. It's not because it has to. We can do something about it and so that's what this message is all about. Let me define attitude for you if you'll write this into your notes somewhere. It'll come up on the board. A feeling or emotion toward a fact or state often reflected in our behavior I like that. A feeling or emotion toward a fact or state often reflected in our behavior. One of our men in our church, I hope I don't embarrass him, uh, he came to me this past week and it was interesting how I, I knew that I was preaching on this subject and various things have happened. But this guy came to me and he had had some problems with somebody and, and he said, Pastor, he said, I have a confession to make. He said, uh, I just cannot control the muscles on my face when I'm dealing with someone who is not using common sense, he said. <laughs> you ever have that problem? Because what's on the inside is going to show. And, and our emotion 
is reflected in our behavior, our attitude, our attitude. Maybe some of you have heard the story, no doubt, about the fellow named John who was given the parrot. And this was a very talented, very remarkable parrot. It not only could talk, it carried on conversations. The only problem was the guy that trained it taught it to speak profanities. And so it would constantly use these horrible words and vulgar statements. And so the guy that got the parrot, his name was John. And John said, I tried to teach this parrot what was right. It wouldn't listen. So finally I had enough of it. So I threw it in the freezer and was going to cool it off for a while. And squawking and kicking was going on. All of a sudden there was no sound at all. That went on for about a minute. He started thinking, maybe I have really harmed the bird. So he opened up the freezer and pulled him out. And the parrot immediately said, I am so sorry. I, I, I will never do it again. And I, I, I want your forgiveness. Just tell me one thing, the parrot said. What did that turkey in there do? <laughs> some of you, uh, some of you can relate to that. Maybe, I don't know. It has been said that people with positive attitudes find solutions in the midst of every problem. And people with negative attitudes find problems in the midst of every solution. I came across one statement I thought was kind of neat, thought-provoking. It said, attitudes are contagious. Are yours worth catching? I'd like to invite you to, uh, to uh, uh, Luke chapter 24 for just a minute. I want to read to you something here in the way of uh, introducing this topic to you. And before I actually read it though, I want to pray with you. And let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to do today, okay? To use an analogy that Adrian Rogers used to use. We're going to build a small front porch. We're going to build us uh, a little house with the main points. But before we leave today, I'm going to tack on what you and I would know here in the state of Florida as the Florida room, a little back porch. We're going to add on to this, okay? And that's going to be the direction we travel in with this message today. So let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord. We love you. And God, we know that some of us just need victory in this area of our lives. And God, I pray that you'd help us to understand how it is affecting us, how it affects our testimony, how it affects, God, what you want to do through us. And we pray, God, for great victory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Matthew chapter 24, I mean Luke chapter 24 if you're there. I'm getting a little static, Brother Mac. I don't know where that's coming from. It may not be something everybody else can hear. I don't know if there's an amp on or something, but I'll draw that to your attention and I'll leave it with you. Luke 24 and look at verse 13. The resurrection of Jesus has already taken place and here in uh, verse 13 uh, we find there are two disciples and they're walking along a road. Many of you are no doubt familiar with the story, but let me read to you a little bit beginning verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together, notice this phrase please, of all the things which had happened. Now let me pause a moment and say this to you. The majority of the time our attitude is a reflection of what is happening. Would you agree? What we're going through in our life, our circumstances, either something that's just happened or something that we're in right now or maybe even something that we're anticipating happening because that controls us too sometimes. So the Bible says they conversed about what was happening. Verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, 
what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are what church? Sad. As you walk and are sad. Now let me pause just a moment and ask you this question just for the sake of understanding. Do you think, you don't have to answer this out loud and I hope that you won't. Do you think that God is concerned about your attitude? You see there are many of us who probably live in such a, a way we don't even think that that's important. God, what does God care about that? When we wake up in the morning and we, uh, we face our day and we have all the events that are happening in our life and our attitude toward does God really care about the way we're responding to what's going on in our life? I suggest to you he does. And I suggest to you that many of us do not realize he does. And so Jesus is talking with these men, two disciples, and he asks them this question, why are you sad? Now here's an interesting thought, so I want you to bear with me a moment. I'm not going to read the whole text to you, but, but they begin to ask Jesus this question. They say, uh, where are you from, basically is what they're saying. Have you not heard? And they tell him the story of Jesus. I find that interesting. So they're talking to Jesus and they say he came and he died and, and then we heard that he rose again. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, that's interesting. But the key, listen, the secret to a bad attitude is actually found in verse 21. So I want you to skip all the way down there with me for just a minute. And here's what they say in verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Did you catch that? We were hoping... Now let me just jump right in here with you, okay? In case you want to check out early on this whole sermon. Let me tell you what the problem is about our attitude. The, the ultimate problem, the secret to a bad attitude, the reason we have them is because we don't get what we want. I wasn't expecting a thunderous amen, but... <laughs> a bad attitude with teens and adults, it's like a, a two-year-old fit. That the adults have. It, it's a matter of we didn't get what we want. What we were hoping for, Jesus, was that you were going to set up the kingdom right here, right now, and we didn't get what we want. If you keep reading, I mean, the guys even say, look down in verse 23, and, and uh, uh, they did not find his body. They came saying that he had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Now understand me, they're walking along with Jesus, and they're telling Jesus this story. He came, he died, and, 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 and when, when some people went to his tomb, they didn't find him there, and, and, and I heard that he's alive. Have they answered the question yet? Jesus said, why are you sad? Should the resurrection of Jesus not bring a glad heart? A glad spirit? Should, these are disciples of Jesus. They were following Jesus. But they said, we're sad because we didn't get what we hoped for. We didn't get what we wanted. Now I know I could give the invitation right now. But some of you are mad at me. So I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> Until we get over that part, then we're all right. Attitude. Attitude. That's the secret 
Jesus set the example. The Bible said in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We should approach things the way Jesus approaches it. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you're not, then there's a different problem. And we'll come to that in just a minute. John chapter 10 and verse number 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly abundantly. Can I give you a definition of that? In the Greek it is the word parisos and it literally means extraordinary, exceedingly superior, over and above, more than is necessary. So Jesus said this, let me tell you something, I came that you might have this extraordinary life. I came that you might have more than you ever need. What he's saying is this, life with me is so much better than life without me. I've come that you might have life abundant. So I ask you a question then. Is the abundant life a myth that God's people, whether you're a teenager or a senior saint, that God's people sometimes cannot control even the facial expression because in our heart we have a bad attitude, whatever that may be. We've not understood that God came to give us an abundant life. I say to you, unless we conquer this thing, we'll not live up to being more than conquerors. It's a problem. It's a problem. Now, I understand it's difficult when some people are always positive around you. Some of us just can't take that. <laughs> we have a man in our church. I'm not going to embarrass you by, I'm not going to embarrass him by calling off his name. We were playing golf together not long ago. He, he is the ultimate optimist, man. He is always looking for something positive, And it about drove me crazy. <laughs> I hit my drive in the woods as I usually do. And I'm over in the woods looking for my ball. And you know what he says? He says, uh, and I don't see him here. He may be here somewhere, so forgive me. But I'm looking for the ball. And he said, you know, it's so nice to be over here in the shade. (laughs) I said, man, I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, it's hot out there in the sun. (laughs) Wow. I said, man, I want to go more with this guy because, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You just, listen, it's not always easy to, to be happy in life. Some people just are more positive, it seems, than other people are. But shouldn't we be a little more positive about things knowing that Christ is still on the throne? Knowing that he gave to us this abundant life? Here's what I'd like to do with you. Now, that's the porch. Let's get into the main house now, okay? I'm going to give you three things we want to look at. The first one we're going to call our attitude and its inspection. Our attitude and its inspection. Now, some people would say that we need to check our attitude. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to check it. But we're also going to let God do some checking. Because that's even better than us checking it, amen? Because when we check things, we always compare ourselves to other people. And we say, well, I don't do that. I don't cuss like that parrot you mentioned earlier. You know what I'm saying, preacher? And so we inspect, but what about God? Does he really care? Does it matter to God? I came across a verse I thought was interesting. Actually in uh, Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 1. And it literally just reads this. And the people complained and it displeased God. And the people complained, and it displeased God. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying that God pays attention. He knows when we are complaining. He knows when we are not looking at things the way he'd like for us to look at them. He understands all that. 
And he's displeased by it, he said. So the inspection. What we just read back in Luke chapter 24 is interesting. Where Jesus said to his disciples, why are you sad? Now they didn't know exactly who he was at the time. Later he begins to expound the word to him. And many of you know the story. And they begin to understand who he is based on the word of God as he talked about it burning in their hearts. So they were given clarity and understanding of who he was after they had listened to the word of God. When we think about the word of God and the examples that it sets, there are several that come to mind. Let me talk to you for a moment about Moses. Moses, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. But do you, do you remember early on, right after you read about his coming, right after you read about his birth, right after you read about how he became trained to be the next Pharaoh, you don't get very far in the book of Exodus. It's the second chapter before he goes out and he's about 40 years of age and he finds an Egyptian and he's angry with the Egyptian. Did you hear me? He's angry with the Egyptian because the Egyptian is taking some stuff out on the Hebrew and he begins to realize what's going on. So he takes the guy, the Bible says first he looked this way and then he looked that way and then he killed the Egyptian and then he buried him in the sand. Moses had a problem with his attitude. He had a problem with anger. Now what's interesting to me is God seems to use him in a wonderful way. He spent 40 years in the desert, by the way, uh, working on him, training him through being a shepherd in the land of Midian. Many of you, of course, know the story. So at the age of 80, God calls him, even with murder on his resume, God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still use you. Aren't you glad God gives us second chances? So what does Moses do? He's out in the wilderness leading the people of God and the people begin to complain and the people need water. And so God, of course, tells Moses, I want you to take your stick and I want you to go over there to that rock being a symbol of Jesus and I want you to strike the rock and water is going to come out. So Moses does it. A little later on, we find that the people really don't learn and the people are still complaining. And so now God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go over to the rock and I want you to speak to the rock. Now this is very significant and many of you understand that significance because the rock was an imagery, the rock was a type of the person of Christ and the first time he struck it was indicative of the crucifixion of Jesus. The next time he was to only speak to it because Jesus would only be crucified once. And Jesus provides the sustenance, all that we need. He is the water of life and he'll provide the everlasting water. And so this was the message that God was trying to get across to his people. Moses, however, in his anger. In Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, we read this. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water from, uh, for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and all their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation with their animals drank. You say, well, everything seems to be going okay so far. Amen? <laughs> Verse 12, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me, 
in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I gave them. Let me put it to you in simple English. Moses, because you can't control your attitude, you're out of the ministry. Are you listening to me? Maxwell said it this way, John Maxwell in some of his leadership material, he said, your attitude will determine your altitude. How far God can use you has a lot to do with what you'll let him do with your attitude. Moses' ministry ended right then. Joshua took over. Moses wasn't even allowed to step into the promised land until the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. That's the first time he stepped foot. He was allowed to look over and see it, but not enter it. After 40 years of ministry, after 40 years of leading a group of complaining, two and a half million of them, by the way, complaining Israelites, his ministry ended because of his attitude. I'm telling you that, ladies and gentlemen, because you need to understand that God inspects. He sees. He knows. He's aware. When we're looking for examples of attitude in the scripture, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Joseph. Joseph, here's a guy sold off into slavery, falsely accused by Potiphar. Remember all that stuff? Remember that story? Put in prison, and then he's given the charge of, of watching after the prisoners. He goes into the butler and the baker who he had been given charge over. He's in prison now, falsely accused. Can I get an uh-huh? Genesis 40 and verse number 7. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, Why do you look so sad today? If I were to do a sermon series on the most ridiculous questions in the Bible, this would be among them. <laughs> You're getting the picture, right? They're in the dungeon, man. And Joseph says, Why are you guys unhappy? I guess the better question would be, why are you so happy, Joseph? What's going on with you, man? Why aren't you unhappy too? What's the deal here? What's going Because Joseph had something they didn't have. He had a relationship with God. And he looked at his happenings differently than others looked at them. We find the same thing in the New Testament. Paul and Silas were arrested, thrown in prison for nothing more than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes when we get wrongfully done by doing what was right, it just aggravates us the more. Am I right? We're scared today, man. That I know. I understand. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 tells us that at midnight they begin to pray and sing praises to God. And then an interesting thing it says, the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. Now we need to understand this. When God inspects our attitudes, one of the reasons he's concerned about it is because others are paying attention to it. Did we get that? These guys were in stocks, the Bible says. They were, they were sitting there in a very uncomfortable position, horrible circumstances, and yet there they sang and they prayed. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, what does he mean, let your light shine? He's talking about the attitude with which you live your life. 
Would you agree? What you do and how you do it and what your attitude is while you're doing it. Because the fact of the matter is, it can bring glory to God or it can bring reproach upon the name of Christ. One of the biggest things, and you can go out and do your own survey if you like. One of the biggest reasons people give for not being in church today, those who are unchurched, is because they know someone who is in church. <laughs> and they know the attitude. Now, I know we're not talking about people at the point. <laughs> and this message really is for those tuning in online. We all know that. We all are aware of that. Everything's perfect at the point. But the truth of the matter is that people are watching. The prisoners are listening. People are watching. And either we let our light shine and they glorify God or... We have a spirit and attitude about us that does not bring glory to God. And so God is concerned. The second part of this three-part house, if you will, is our attitude and its indication. Indication. You know, our attitude says a lot about us. What's on the outside is merely a reflection of what is on the inside. Kind of get an uh-huh? Jesus talked about this when he spoke to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 25. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." We used to sing a song when I was a teenager, and we, uh, we kind of made fun of it, like some of you guys probably do, you know, teens are teens. Some things never change. And, uh, you know, uh, it, and so I, I remember the song our, our director in our youth department used to lead us in, and if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, that kind of song, remember that? Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. You know the Friends tune and that, that's good. Okay, I remember that from Friends. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> If you weren't here, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> then there was, a, there was a part of it we sang, if you're saved and you know it. If you're happy and you know it. If you're saved and you know it. And, and we used to like to interchange. They would, the guy that let us interchange it. At the end of the song, it sounded something like, uh, you know, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. And often he would add to it, if you're, if you're saved and you know it, then your face will surely show it. Remember that? And we would interchange them. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, then your face. You see, what are you saying? I'm saying people ought to be able to let your light shine. We ought to, they ought to be able to see Amen. that the light is shining. Because what's on the outside is indicative of what's on the inside. Amen. And if you're a born-again believer, you're classified as more than a conqueror. Amen? Amen? But if we're not saved, maybe that's part of the problem. You say, oh, wait a minute now, you're questioning salvation. Well, if I can question it, there's something wrong. I'm not questioning, I'm just saying this, that the Bible tells us that there are some fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You say, what are you getting at? I'm saying that it appears that either the Spirit of God produces these things in us or we're back on the road to Emmaus where we didn't get what we wanted. It was one amen and a couple of mm-hmms. That's as far as I got with that one, but that's okay. That's for all those internet people. I hope you got that. All right. Attitude. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. He was talking about those who are not of him, those who are false teachers and false prophets, those who are, may I say it this way, those who are not saved from those who are saved. If you are saved then somehow we ought to be working toward this thing. And if we're not working toward it, then yes, I question, are you, are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? That may be the problem. Honestly, that may be the problem. And maybe we need to go back and look. Has there been a time when we truly trusted Christ as our Savior? Does he dwell within us? And if he dwells within us, is he producing the fruit from us? I'm not saying every time you play golf and go in the woods, you need to thank him for the shade. I'm just saying there ought to be a little more positive response to things than maybe some of us have. Let me show you this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin here in verse 20. There's a lot more to it than this, and we'll pick up in this text in just a few minutes. But let me read to you beginning in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this statement that I'm about to make. Okay, it sounds like this. <clears throat> that is just the way I am. Now, you probably have never said that. And you've probably never heard anybody say it. But there are people out there who say that. It is just the way I am. I look this way because it's just the way I am. I have an attitude because it's just the way I am. My daddy had it, my grandparents had it, everybody's had it, my family, they passed it down to me and I have it. And that's just it. Amen? I'm not happy unless I'm unhappy, that's just the way I am. Now don't try to change me. And you can't change them. But God can. And if I know anything at all, listen, if I know anything at all, about what Jesus does, the Bible says we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means we do put off the old and we put on the new. That is exactly what it means. That not one of us can get by with the excuse, it is just the way I am. No sir, no ma'am. It may be the way you used to be. But if you know Christ is your Savior, you cannot use that. So throw that thing out of your excuses. The Bible says you've not so learned Christ. You've not been taught that by him. You're to put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt through deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I'm going to stop reading the text right there for just a minute, but let me say this to you. I think this is important. We don't understand sometimes. God said, the Word of God says, that, that when, we, when we allow circumstances and happenings to control our, our attitude and our spirit, and we don't put off the old, instead we live by the old, then what we've actually done is we've given place to the devil. Now, we spent two weeks on dealing with our adversary. We don't understand that our attitude opens the door for him to work. That's what the Bible says. So let us be aware of what the scriptures are teaching. The third part of the house that we're building is simply the word inspiration, our attitude and its inspiration. I came across this study, a Stanford Research Institute reports 12.5% of our success in life is determined by knowledge. The other 87.5 comes from attitude. Isn't that remarkable? I find that interesting. I really do, man. So, so it's not always what you know. It's how you handle what you know. Only 12.5% of our success based on what we know. Our attitude, though, has a lot to do with it. I love this statement I came across. It's kind of a lengthy quote, so bear with me a moment. Chuck Swindoll is the one who said it, actually wrote it, and I, I find it interesting. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude, Swindoll said. He went on to say, the attitude I choose keeps me going or cripples my progress. When my attitudes are right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme. I love that, man. I tell you, what, what it amounts to is, wait a minute, preacher, you mean my attitude is not a result of just who I have always been, but my attitude is a choice? That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. That is exactly what the Bible teaches, and that is exactly what Swindoll lived by, and what you and I need to absorb, that we choose the attitude we have. We choose it. Winston Churchill made the statement, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Listen, just because things didn't turn out like you wanted to, man, listen, just move on and go and, 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 and adjust and, and make the choice of the right attitude. came across the saying one fellow said he said before I criticize a man I like to walk in his shoes for a mile that way when I do criticize him I'm a mile away and I have his shoes <laughs> let me pick up in Ephesians chapter 4 a verse or two after I left off beginning in verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Well, now, wait a minute. I, I don't like that verse. So I think we ought to just rip that right out of the Bible. 
Now you know better than that. You know I can't. You know I'm just teasing. Now, there's no way I would dare do that. I, I fear God too much to try to do that. But the truth of the matter is that some have that kind of spirit. I I know what it says, but I don't care. Well, you ought to care because God cares. And so we ought to pay attention to what it says. That what we speak, we should be mindful of. And it ought to bring forth edification. That's building people up. Not tearing people down. And then he goes on, verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, now let me pause a moment here. It's very important. Earlier we read... That you can actually open the door for the devil. You give place to the devil based on your attitude. Now we're hearing you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. You say, is that within the context? It is. Look at the next verse. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be done away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I came across a little saying that some have posted in their devotional rooms, your home study, wherever you have your study, you may want this. It simply reads, Good morning, this is God. I will be handling all of your problems today and I will not be needing your help. <laughs> Have a miraculous day. Amen. You say, what are you getting at? I'm talking about proper attitude. I'm talking about inspiration for living. I'm talking about not only being more positive yourself about the fact God is in charge, but helping other people understand it as well. It's contagious. We said that at the beginning. Now, I want to put the little Florida room on for you if you're listening from another state and we have people who tune into our, our website from all over. You may not know what the Florida room is. So I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to move down here. No, we're... Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a simply a little back porch. And let me do this with you. Let me give you three simple steps to have a proper attitude that reflects the love and presence of Christ in our life, okay? Let me give them to you. Number one, very simply, seek to know. Now, what do we mean by these? Let me deal with each one as I go. Seek to know. Well, first of all, we need to know Jesus is our Savior. We said earlier that may be part of the problem right there. You got somebody who's always negative and just can't seem to find anything good. You may have a person who doesn't know Christ. I mean, we, we have to, that, we need to be real about this, am I right? I'm not saying you don't believe in Christ. I'm not saying you don't believe in God. I'm saying that if, if there's no real personal relationship there with him, it probably is being reflected in the attitude by which we live. And we can change that attitude by changing our relationship status. So know him. John 15 and verse 21 says, But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. What Jesus is saying is, some people's actions, the result of their attitudes, it is because they do not know me. So I ask you if you know him. 
1 John 3 and verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. I want to direct this to our teenagers for just a minute. You guys, more than perhaps any other age group, have to face this thing called peer pressure. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the world does not know the Lord. He, they don't know God. They don't know the same Savior you have. And because of that, they're not going to welcome you in with open arms. They don't know the same Savior you have. So Know Christ and let your attitude reflect that you know him and live for him. Amen. Live for him. Seek to know. Number two, seek to grow. Self-centeredness is often the root of a soured attitude. I didn't get my way. Man, I remember children, I've seen them fall down on the floor in the, in the grocery store. Any of you remember J.M. Fields down here? Any of you recall? Can I see your hand, please? That was, I'm I got more whippings there. <laughs> they had the best popcorn in the world. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Let's just talk from us home people. Let's just talk. I wanted the popcorn. My mama wanted me to stay by her. I didn't want to stay by her. I got lost so many times in J.M. Fields. And I'd get the whipping while I was still in the store. Back then, you could whip your kids in the store. You know what I'm saying? And it was like all the way to the car. I drive by the spot where it is and I behave. I straighten up. How did I get on that? I don't know. I wanted what I wanted, man, and I'd get in trouble for it. And, and every now and then, if I was real good, I got some popcorn, but I didn't get muds. <laughs> We're throwing temper tantrums as adults and young people, and, and we've got we've to grow up, man. We've got to get to this point. The only person that always finds and always gets what they want are fault finders, because they always find something wrong. And so we got to somewhere realize that we've got to grow in the Lord. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You're not always going to have things that you want. You're not going to always get it your way. And we have to accept the fact that God has a better plan and knows what he's doing. Amen? There are three influencers in our life. If we're going to grow, we've got to deal with these. Self, sin, and Satan. Now when all three converged on the psalmist David, and he committed the sin with Bathsheba, he repented in Psalm 51, and he wrote these words. And listen carefully to what I'm about to read. You've heard them. I know that. You've heard them. But listen. Psalm 51, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. What are we talking about? We're talking about attitude. What happens to our joy? Sin will rob you of your joy. Self-centeredness will rob you of your joy. The devil wants nothing more than to rob you of your joy. And if you'll let him, he will. So don't let him. So seek to know, seek to grow, and then last of all, seek to show. Remember that Christ has given us life more abundant. And that it is a testimony. 
Did you know that the Bible actually says, and let me read this to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2. But before I read it, let me say this. You are a written testimony. And some have said it this way. You may be the only Bible some people ever read. Now where does that come from? 2 Corinthians 3 verse 2. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablet, tablets of stone, but on tablets of the flesh, that is, of the heart. So you approach your day, and maybe things are not going the way you want them to go. Maybe you have spent time with the Lord before you left the house, maybe you did not. Maybe you listened to the word of God say to you, it's going to be okay, I got this, or maybe you did not. But you approach your life and something doesn't go the way you think it ought to go. And now all of a sudden, our life is being read. It's being read by everybody. Paul and Silas were heard by the prisoners. Joseph had an audience of the butler and the baker. Are you hearing me? The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had an audience with the king. They had an audience with others. And they said this, our God will deliver us. But if not, you can go back and read it for yourself in the book of Daniel. But if not, we're still not going to do what you tell us to do. They had an attitude of, we're going to serve God. We don't care what everybody else does. That's what we're going to do. You know what? Other people are reading you, man. And they're either reading that you've got something they, they need or they're reading you and saying, you don't have anything they want. So I encourage you, be mindful that others are reading you. And realize the Bible says, if you're saved, you are more than a conqueror. And you can conquer this thing. It doesn't have to conquer you. It's not something we have to buy into. We don't have to say, look, that's just the way I am. That's the way I'm always going to be. Let Christ change you. Let somebody walk up to you and say to you, what in the world happened to you? You're different. There's something different. I don't understand it. And you may not even understand it. But let something happen where, where what they read is what God wants them to read in your life. Has to do with your relationship with Christ. Has to do with the fact that he's assured you everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. 